What's up, everybody? This is John Ensman. I'm along here with Justin. What's up, and everybody? Yes, Justin from In Ring Art. And this is Wrestling and How's Everyone Doing? This week, we're going to talk about wrestling and the internet. I mean, the internet is a bigger thing than, you know, anyone could imagine what it's become, how it's influenced everything. The idea that you're listening to us right now and you're lis- listening to podcasts because of it. The fact that we can see- consume most of our wrestling probably over it. Um, it's definitely changed the wrestling industry immensely. More than we could. I mean, I'm sure you could do a full series on how the internet has affected wrestling. But, you know, Justin and I, we were looking at really funny memes and we wanted to talk about how wrestling has affected the internet i mean justin i mean it's it's been essential to the growth of the business right i would say right i mean in a way it's probably been essential to the growth of everything and um i guess growth good in bad ways i guess you can say but um maybe mostly good because we wouldn't be doing something like this and doing what is a big port you know what is part of our lives wouldn't exist if it wasn't obviously for the internet right and Uh, obviously it's like it's a bigger invention than like you know it's like the one of the most important inventions of all time so we're kind of lucky in the sense that we have it you know and we were grew up during the boom of it and the realization of it because now we can watch all sorts of badass pro wrestling from around the world imagine you know if we lived in the 40s 50s (laughs) We had we'd have to go to the arena. Or jeez, just cool, imagine but. you know when we were watching it in the in the nineties or you know the late eighties, and we just you know I couldn't imagine being able to have access to watch every pay per view rather than um, okay that, that waiting for that a recorded tape from somebody right. That I the idea is mind blowing. It, it's almost the spoil of riches now because you and I can both watch whatever the fuck we want on demand and back in the day i mean you remember when you would get that like tape or something and like you'd watch the whole thing and be like oh i gotta get all of this tape now if i go watch the 1993 royal rumble i ain't watching all of it but back then because it's all i had yeah i like i'd watch (laughs) i'd watch every bit of it dude yeah i used to have a friend in high school that had a black box and he would just bring it to me he would record it i don't even know if he technically watched it but he would just record it for me and i know actually one of the ones i might have i'd have to look maybe in someone's you know a storage or something but i mean i had the vhs of over the edge uh 99 where owen hart you know passed away or whatever and i never um could bring myself to watch it so (laughs) i think i got it from him and never watched it after that yeah that was yeah. something that like well, I just kind of had sitting I, around for a while, and it might be in a storage and at my uncle's apartment or something. But um, I definitely uh, that's kind of one of the last VHSs I remember having. Um, I was never yeah, like a tape yeah. trader or anything like that. So, which which I feel like the tape trading is like uh, one of the aspects that definitely turned into the internet thing. Now it's people torrenting and stuff like that, you know, instead of the tape trading, but you know, it's obviously changed everything. So I I, like, I'm wondering like kayfabe, like how has kayfabe changed over the years? Cause back in the day, what I imagine is that if you're a performer and you act a certain way, um, it's hard, you know, there's no TMZ following you around, 
uh, you're not posting on Twitter like how you hung out with your girlfriend, right? Like the characters, maybe you know, maybe I'm wrong, but there seemed to be more of a mystique back in the day. Yeah, it's something that the internet has kind of chipped away at. Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, I even remember not knowing for sure who Kane was for a very long time. Um, you know, when he first came out, I don't think anyone was really sure. And of course I wasn't at 15, 16 years old, really wasn't subscribing to any of the newsletters. I think we, there was a few online sites. I even had a friend that the one I talked about last week who was actually started listening to. So Aaron enjoyed the show last week. So what's up again, Aaron and Aaron. Hell actually, yeah, Aaron. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I can't remember the name of the website that he made, but he used to, he, he made a website back in the geocities.com it was it was one of those type of websites and he would just like paste news and stuff there i can't remember what it was called geez but he did that for a minute and um i remember back in the day that the site we would go to in the 90s and zeros maybe it was lordsofpain.net i don't know if you remember that oh boy um (laughs) no i i was more on aol uh, just doing aol stuff Right, and when I was first, but I might have told you about this. What a great name! Have you heard of uh, NoDQ.com? No, tell me about it. Okay, well, it's a pretty popular kind of site. um, NoDQ.com. It's it's run by somebody named Aaron Riff, and um, Aaron Riff actually went to my high school, and when we were really into wrestling. And Aaron Riff was a kid that was a couple years younger than me and my friends. So I think maybe, you know, we were mm-hmm. in 11th or 12th grade and he was in 9th and 10th grade. And we'd always see the kid wearing wrestling shirt and we always saw him and walking around and stuff like that. And we were always, oh, we should talk to him. And we just never ended up kind of talking to him at all. But he started running that site probably, gosh, probably around 2000, 2001, 2002. And he's been doing it ever since. And it's just, you know, he does um you know video shows and stuff like that youtube channel and he's got like a pretty decent little following and um Mm -hmm. i think he just basically does it for a living and he's been doing it for like the better part of 20 years well i mean surely i'll say this man like with 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 how the internet's affected things like people can have careers you know, covering wrestling probably more than any other time in history. I mean, I don't know if that's that guy's career or his hobby, but either way, it's given a big thing for people. Well, I guess you kind of said it for people like you and I to kind of uh, do our own little thing where back in the day we would have had to what, like write our own newsletter. We weren't getting a radio show back in the day. So I mean, there was, we would have had a a blog maybe in 2004. Yeah. I, I mean, and that could have led to something. Um, there, I think there a was lot radio. of people, there, there. Uh, you know, led to it. I think if we wanted to do something in wrestling in 1998, we would have really had to just start with a little tiny baby website and just been persistent as hell with it and kept working on it. And we would probably, you know, been been able to ho- if we if we played our cards right and did it hard enough work, you would have been able to catch the wave of the internet and write it, you know, Ooh, into what. But true, I think the dot com bubble. Yeah, I think it could have happened if, let's say, you started doing something in the in the '90s, some type of content. Um, 
Or we or we could have just gone to wrestling school and gotten in that way, right? Right. Fuck the yeah, internet. Sure. We could have just like gone straight to the source and started weightlifting hardcore and then got. But uh, that's a little hard for most normal people to get into. Yeah, so. I, I think you know at least with me, I know pretty early on, I didn't think it was something that I actually wanted to do. Um, you know, I didn't want to be I, a wrestler. I, I knew that pretty early. That just wasn't for me. Um, just on a side note, like wrestling is uh, like that. I, I'm into most of the things that I watch. Like I like to participate in them, you know. Uh, but wrestling is definitely on a side note. One of those things where I'm like, yeah, I can't, I can't do that. I'm 35 years old. Like it's way too late. Plus, I mean, hey, DDP started. I don't at 35. feel like. DDP started at 35, that's true, but uh, I ain't cut like DDP. I am not starting a yoga community in 20 years. So, yeah, I mean, yes, it happens, but... You never know. <laughs> yeah, seriously, like two weeks from John now, Ansman I'm like, yoga. bro, I'm... Oh, my God, dude. I it's learned enough happen. of that in uh, Comcore in the halfway house. So, look, we were you and I, before we came on here, we were talking about, like the history of of like wrestling shows in the internet and it's it's kind of hard now of course we have radio stuff there was John Arezzi's wrestle, wrestling spotlight or some something like John Arezzi that radio show back in the 90s that talked about pay-per-view results and all that stuff but um Justin you were saying that you had heard and you found some evidence of online radio pay-per-views by WCW. I you know, I'm not right? like I, I'm not 100% sure we're never going to be the finest. We don't have a, a team of researchers uh helping us out here, but I I vaguely remember at least um WCW maybe in that 96 to 99 era. I know in the 2000s right before they crashed and burned um that they did have like some kind of internet radio shows. Um, that weren't necessarily wrestling. It was just like a talk show kind of thing, interviews. Um, but I, I vaguely mm. remember them maybe doing some online, uh, like, radio feeds of, like, pay-per-views. Um, maybe in that 97 and to 2000 era. Um, I don't know if they cost money or not, but I do remember them trying something like that. Um I, I, I don't I couldn't really find works. any real evidence of it, but it's just a vague recollection that I had. Wrestling works on a radio too. Like I, I I've listened to or have you watched wrestling just by listening to it? Like it works pretty good. I mean, you kind of have the gist of what's going on and stuff. I you when I hear baseball or like football on the radio, it's it's. It's almost harder to understand than wrestling. Wrestling is very simple. It's just, you know, oh, this guy goes down. One, two. You know, it's very simple on the radio. So uh, I'm surprised there wasn't more radio wrestling back in the day. But that's probably because WWE owned the rights to all that. And they weren't going to put on a fucking yeah, radio Yeah, I mean, I know for sure KK. WWE was doing wrestling on the radio um, in the 90s. in the Especially the early 90s. Because I remember... You know, there would be a radio team and there would be a, you know, maybe Jim Ross and, you know, Bobby Heenan would be doing the radio and then, you know, Gorilla mm. Monsoon and Macho Man or whatever would be doing the TV and they would switch sometimes in the pay-per-views. And I think a lot of times they might have been doing oh. the radio maybe for overseas or something like that. But I remember that being a thing. Um, obviously, that's not internet, but um, 
you know, but it, but it's it, it was it's kind a step of a, towards it though. Yeah, obviously, you know, in that era, it was much easier to put a live stream, if not, you know, impossible to do it with a video live stream in an event online. Just we didn't have the tools to do it back then. But having it done in live stream on radio um, might have been possible. Well, so, so to, to be fair, I guess that. There were live streams in the 80s, but they were closed-circuit TV, which is a little confusing for me to understand that they were, like, having closed-circuit from Japan to America. I believe the uh, Inoki-Ali fight was closed-circuit to Shea Stadium, and so it was, like, a streaming type of a deal, you know, but... It's a little confusing because I wasn't around back then, but I guess, you know, you could pay tickets to go watch it. And I don't know yeah. if it was in on like a big theater or how it works. No, they dude. just probably played it on the screen in the scoreboard or whatever. But, um, you know, the, with those things, how that worked is they basically just had a live television broadcast that was playing there. So it was I, I, I you know, I could be just speaking out of my my ass with this, but. I think it was just like a TV signal going just there. Yeah, um, I, that's what I imagined. Closed circuit, so it's yeah. like it's not headed out to all sorts of people. It's just straight into that you know that small community. But it was kind of a form of uh, kind of a form of streaming before streaming. I mean, live TV's been around for a long time, so uh-huh. I guess even before that. But the idea of this like pay per view, so. I, I, you can't really talk about internets and wrestling without the internets. Like, there's two of them. But I just, you, you know, the, really one I, about... the way I like to think of it is what Tony Soprano once called it, which was the, the fucking intranet. The intranet. The yeah. fucking intranet. Yeah. I, I like calling it the interwebs sometimes, but I feel like that's become a little too ironic. Series of tubes. Have you ever heard that one? No. Like, some fucking senator described the internet on the Senate floor by calling it a series of tubes. Uh, well, so. I mean, I think now it's just, it's online or, you know, that is just basically the phrase you use. I don't even think you use internet anymore. It seems it's like. online or bust, buddy. Yeah, man. And uh, You're either here or you're not watching Taboo Tuesday. But if anything, I always like saying the intranet because I thought intranet, that's what Tony Soprano, the way he's delivered that line was pretty classic, so. <laughs> I, I like that, man. That's, that's pretty good. So, um... Okay, so just going back like to the 80s, so you have this stuff that transitioned to the internet. You have pay-per-views, obviously that's going to come eventually. And then you have like the smart community or dirt sheet community too. Right. So tell me what you were saying about how like, you know, wrestling inside knowledge is so different in the early 90s compared to how it is now. Yeah, right? when I was at that peak fandom in the 90s and, you know, maybe little bit of the 80s i didn't know it any maybe i i you know i know a few of the terms like maybe shoot or kayfabe but i did definitely had no idea what booking was um screw job screw well no i probably not i didn't i mean think <laughs> about like uh you know uh what's it, blading or you know there's a lot of other terms you know the carny kind of stuff Selling, juicing. Selling, I didn't know what that was. Um, you know, heat. heat. Yeah, I think I knew what heat was. Very few of these terms. Um, Receipts, stuff like that. Yeah, we didn't. I, I just didn't know any of that stuff. Um, and as I was saying, like, 
the the community back then was pretty much people that read the Observer, I imagine, and yeah. the fucking wrestling spotlight or whatever the torch pro wrestling torch probably people and that were it, into it in the 80s and that were a little older um you know had that more of that knowledge at that time but i definitely don't think it was as prevalent as it is now obviously we we knew it was like something was fixed and shit like that but yeah we didn't know all the intricacies of the actual business which i'm still there's still probably a bit that we don't but i mean it was so different back in the day where there was much more of a screen in front of it and it almost reminds me a little bit like in japan because i feel like even with the internet now you're not seeing backstage videos of new japan of of them going over their matches and stuff like that you know no and i think i told you a few weeks ago or one of our first meetings that we had was the closest i've seen to anything like that in new japan was that Finn Balor documentary called Smack 'em Up? Oh yeah, yeah. You were saying that. I mean, it's yeah. it's like, you know, I feel like some companies keep it a little more real. You know, AEW for for their credit, they they kind of like yes, we know what's going on and stuff, but their whole backstage is generally yeah, they fuck around on being the elite and stuff, but there's still kind of a mystique there of how they put together matches and stuff. They have producers and agents and stuff like that but yeah. they do a pretty good job of keeping it you know keeping the screen up well they definitely we know that there's the evps but we don't know if they gather around a table and you know put the shows together um the I was, only... or or they gather around a table and like do magical prayers and shit like that you know and they put like a yeah so um, they but go ahead i mean i know I, it does seem if i'm that Tony Khan really does have like a huge role in that company and res- is responsible for a lot of the creative. I do get that impression. Um, I don't know if they have booking meetings or I- I'm sure they have production meetings and stuff like that, but who takes the lead there um, is yeah, you know, the where, rumors where... of Kenny Omega basically being in charge of the, of the women's division the women. there. Is that yeah. true or not? Like there's not, not a lot yeah, of insight I'm, on that. I'm sure most, I'm sure most of that stuff is probably true, but they keep the screen up where the most popular company, WWE, I mean, they've done so many inside documentaries for the internet and yeah. all this stuff that we've seen pretty much at all. And with the podcasts, I mean, we'll get to that later, but Bruce Pritchard and I mean, now there's official WWE podcasts. The entire backstage of the WWE has been exposed. There's yeah. no mystery to it. I remember hearing them talk about meetings with... You know Bruce Prichard and Mike Michael Cole and Vince well, McMahon. Listen, and I mean, we all know that this stuff got blown wide open with movies like Beyond the Mad and Wrestling with Shadows. Okay, yeah. I mean, True. I think that's when True. that whole thing kind of, if it wasn't already coming out at the seams by then, those two movies that came out probably within a pretty close, you know, proximity of each other. Those are the ones I think that really, you know, blew the wind, the door off of kayfabe um, and gave an inside look, correct me if I'm wrong, that just hadn't been seen up to that point, right? I mean, you had audio recording yeah, of Vince it, McMahon it wasn't, going it over was, It was a, a rough with, look. Yeah. It uh, was not a, a, a puff piece for sure. Um, I'm talking about Beyond the Mat. I haven't seen Wrestling with Shadows, but oh, Beyond the no. Mat is... Oh, no. You've never seen the Bret Hart Wrestling with Shadows. 
I've never seen Wrestling with Shadows. I've seen the other one, but oh, uh, that that is Matt, required but... reading, sir. <laughs> okay, that I will is get requi- on that, that is required. That is a prerequisite to what we're doing right now. <laughs> that is a prerequisite. I believe it, man. I just haven't watched it. I, I mean, I get it's the you, greatest it wrestler of, of all time. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of people say to me like. Well, actually, people don't say this to me. This is just something I think out of my head. Like yeah. I'm like, oh, I haven't seen Bret Hart versus Owen Hart at and WrestleMania. I'm not, I'm not saying that as a you know a criticism to you. I'm saying that it's like you no, got to see it because you're going you to enjoy me. it and you need to see it. It's you yeah. know what I mean. Um, yeah, and uh, uh, but yes, you're right as far as. Uh, the other one, which was uh, not let's see, wrestling with shadows and beyond the mat, beyond the mat. Yeah, yeah, beyond the mat, the, be beyond the mat. I mean, I've seen that one, and uh-huh. you know, it's that did expose it and blow it wide open. Especially, I, I don't know. The thing that bothered me the most was the Terry Funk part because now Terry Funk is having health issues and stuff. Right, but yeah. it seemed like he wasn't living the greatest life in the world already back in like. 1999 or whatever with the knee surgeries and stuff yeah but the bret hart is the one that really goes into the booking and it goes into the creative um you know just with the whole evolution behind what we what became the montreal screwjob and talking about when bret was negotiating with uh eric bischoff and wcw and they i mean wow it, it, this is a. I mean, I would almost if I. I know it was on Netflix. I don't think it is anymore. But oh, don't worry. I'm downloading it right now, brother. Excellent. That already already done. I mean, I could watch that again because it's been a while. But you know, and then of course, I just actually watched the the A and E Bret Hart documentary, which was excellent as well. Um, I don't know if you've seen mm-hmm. that yet, but I would definitely watch Wrestling with Shadows first. Um. Yeah, there's just two things that kind of, you know, he touches on the rivalry with Stone Cold and when he turned heel. I mean, it's just so wrestling with shadows. So so shout outs to all the fans here, as well as I, myself. If you guys haven't seen Wrestling with Shadows, we got a huge endorsement here from in-ring art Justin. Absolutely. And I'm just, I'm a Bret Hart guy. I've always been a Bret Hart guy. And, um. We're all you know. Bret Hart guys deep down inside, brother. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And also, like I said, if you're looking for something a little more modern, obviously it doesn't get in as in deep in terms of the, you know, the kayfabe and the and the drama, but the the um, Finn Balor Smack 'em Up documentary is a nice short watch, about 50 minutes. Um, I, I think it's not free on Amazon Prime anymore, but, you know, but Look you can find it. a way to watch it, guys. Just Google it. There's, I will give you a fair warning. There are some scenes where he's wrestling in like, in England and uh, ICW out in the UK up there. I don't think it might have been necessarily in England, but there's some dudes taking their nut sacks out and jumping on each other that I think could have, I could have didn't need to see um, when he was wrestling. Not over surprising, there. That but that I don't think he was involved with those matches. But there. they were showing what was going on. But um, it basically covers. Um, um, his last tour in New Japan before coming to WWE. Yeah. Damn. So that's that's the um. Well, my, the my question matter. is: do, do you think that if Finn Balor was on the card for Taboo Tuesday, that he would have been voted into a match? Because, you know, it's funny well, that we're talking back, now. We're let, getting back to wrestling in the internet, obviously. But um, Taboo Tuesday. See, that was during my. What's the word? My hiatus in watching wrestling. 
um, was those yeah those as, as for me as well right mm-hmm. but I mean we can go back and and learn about this stuff which is that you know you're being voted uh, you vote for okay hang on the chance they they were they could vote for the stipulation of the match so we're talking they redid this recently with KOPW in, right. in Japan and I think it was kind of a disaster there but uh yeah they had you know in in the one art that you can fake everything they'd let the fans take control of this here on Taboo Tuesday in 2004 yeah and you know in a way you're surprised they don't do anything like that now I, I am, but I've heard that their online stuff has kind of, like, we're not talking network or pay-per-views. I'm talking, like, online interactivity stuff has not done too well. I guess they did the mixed, so, this they did the mixed match, mixed match challenge on Facebook. Do you remember that? I do, and I somewhat enjoyed that. I, I liked it too, actually. The teams were really funny, but, um, and cool, but. Guilty pleasure. Uh, guilty pleasure, and I think. So that did terrible, I guess. Really? And so, yeah. So How do you quantify that, though? I mean, I guess just views, man. Yeah. Views, right? Like, but I mean, is it is it was it really any better than doing a main event show, which nobody watches on the network, or you know? Well, but the main event show, though, I think was created as something to pad out their like SmackDown or whatever, because it's it's. It's done at the live events, right? Right, but why couldn't you... That's, I'm, I'm imagining that the mixed match tag was also done at the live events yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I suppose a, that is As a buffer. So true. why not just stream, you know, main event on Facebook or whatever? I also but, know that main event is used as a, as a, like, tool to get other people to wrestle and keep people busy. Sure. So it's kind of a it's kind of a or, main roster tool. I, I get what you're saying, but mixed match is a more specific thing where main event is so generic where it's just like extra matches. Yeah, you know and they I probably mean? felt they needed some type of um well, for lack of a better term, some type of gimmick um to get people to go onto Facebook rather than watch main event, like now nah, I'm good. Well, they, they they it was a like it was a contract with Facebook. I think it was like a deal, right. you know, like oh we'll put our thing on here, and uh, you know well, Facebook's we'll, we'll just, just do like we want you to give us exclusive content. Um, yeah, and we'll see what happens, and that's what they came up with, and it wasn't a bad idea, but obviously, um, it wasn't what everyone was looking for, I guess. Yeah, yep, totally, man. I agree. Um, so it looks like, you know, we did Taboo Tuesday, uh, 2004, 2005. Then they moved it over to Cyber Sunday um, at the U.S. Bank Arena in 2006, where King Booker. King Booker. No, hang on. King Booker versus John Cena versus Big Show in a Champions of Champions thri- triple threat match for the World Heavyweight title. Who do you think won that? Was it John Cena? <laughs> that would be a great guess, and the answer is King Booker. Okay, well, good. Big Show and John Cena. Okay, see, because he just, was voted for it. I mean, I was but, a, aware of what was going on, but I wasn't really watching at that time. I wish I was. So, um, so let's let's pretend you were a fan back then. Okay, yeah, sure. So we're gonna. Uh, so, who do you want Umaga to wrestle? Kane, Chris Benoit. Or the Sandman. Oh boy, Sandman. Tough one looking uh, back. 
I would probably well, jeez. Um, Umaga. I would probably say Chris Benoit. <laughs> if I'm thinking back then, Chris Benoit got the the least amount of votes. Okay. Kane won won the voting. Okay, let's do a few more here. Okay, so who do you want to be the special guest referee for Edge and Orton versus D-Generation X, all right? So, okay. RK, rated RKO, right, versus D-Generation X. Okay. Do you want Vince McMahon, Jonathan Coachman, or Eric Bischoff to be the special guest referee? Well, I mean, I want, I, I, back then, I would want to see Vince. Me too! And they voted Eric Bischoff to fucking... By 60%, dude. That's mm. weird, huh? Not a different time. Huh. Yeah, I know. I know seriously. All right. But so, you know what? Cool. You're telling me they couldn't cook those books if they wanted to? Oh, they must have, right? Because I even remember when they were doing the Slammies with the online voting one year. And I can't... I think it was like maybe the Usos winning tag team of the year back when they were the face painted baby now that you now that you just said that like i feel like an idiot for even considering that it wasn't fake results i mean yeah dude i mean they'll tell you if you listen to like bruce pritchard's podcast or whatever he'll tell you that they weren't they were real um but come on dude who the fuck are you talking about you know (laughs) unless you just had see that's the thing where i think they must have realized very quickly Especially in that era when people are smartened up that, uh, you know, unless we have these two choices that we are okay with happening, um, we know that, you know, people can stuff the boxes and create something that we do not want to happen. So, um, yeah, dude, I'm they to- must have found I'm, that. That's that why you, you don't have Taboo that. Tuesday now. Because why wouldn't they? If it was something they really wanted to do and was something that... Why aren't they doing it now with as many social media followers as they have and as how they brag true. about it, the WWE true. and they're inter- obsessed about it, yeah. And how why don't interactive they have a YouTube they vote? Why wouldn't they do more of that now? Because they don't want to know the answers that they would get. I mean, that's, you know, what I'm guessing. Well, I, I mean, it was, it was an experiment. It went on for a good few years and... Uh, it has very rarely been repeated after 2008, so, you know, we put on another 12 years there, and it's like, you know, this is an old experiment with the internet and wrestling, where it's like, oh, help us choose, and then we, you know, as you said, as we realize, like, yeah, it's, shit's probably all fake <laughs> anyways, dude. Yeah, so that's I think a funny at some point, they're about. like, oh, yeah, we're not doing that, uh, That's that wasn't a good idea. Um, there's ways around which that. new they, New yeah. Japan should do. To be honest, like they should do that with the KOPW. Just be like, all right, like. But I think they make the votes public. Yeah. On Twitter. See, that's the thing is, I think a lot of this Taboo Tuesday stuff, if I'm imagining correctly, that the results weren't, you know, and especially. I don't think you can do a Twitter poll and cook the results. But if they were, they were probably having people go vote on wwe.com and therefore it would all be registered there and they could do whatever exactly. the hell they want with that vote so they could set and, up whatever bl- uh, you know believe me they, the bars they to did. go anywhere so, they want they um, i i mean they totally did man so um yeah i i'm sure they did I, i'm gonna jump forward here a little bit we'll jump a little to the modern days and ask you when was the first time you watched uh wrestling straight over the web 
Um, let's see here. I'm trying to think if it was before the WWE Network. And I mean a full show, dude. I don't. Yeah, mean it, then like, it, it would know. definitely have to be the WWE Network, and I would probably have to say it was WrestleMania 30. If we're talking live stream entire show. Okay. Um, that was know, the first one where you actually sat down and watched the whole WrestleMania, watched Dan O'Brien win. Yeah, and watched all the badass stuff. Watched the the, the streak get broke. And this is coming from a Laps fan coming back. And you're yes. like, oh, WWE Network, and you check live it out. Live stream, Have right? Have you watched live some stream. pay-per-views before that? Um, as, as a live? Or was that the one you went straight into? Like, um, I mean, like, once you got the network, did you Once watch I got the network, the first all? thing I did was watch Heat Wave 2000 because I went to that. <laughs> and, uh, of course but you I, did. Yeah, that wasn't a live um, stream. Um But that was the first thing I did. Did when you I got see? To did you see yourself at Heat Wave 2000? You know, I don't know because we were up in the t- the upper level at the Olympic Auditorium, and there wasn't like really a clean enough shot. And I don't remember exactly where we so, so sat. You're at XPW, and you're yeah. at Heat Wave 2000. Those I was are those at a- two places we know that Justin has been and is filmed. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I'm filmed. I was at the 99 Royal Rumble, but I'm pretty sure I was in the nosebleeds at the pond, so you wouldn't be able to see me all the way up there. Um, I think well, we were we keep, on the... Well, we keep a lookout for uh, pay-per-views <laughs> where Justin can be spotted. We will keep... And I've heard that there's shows on coming that we may see you on TV, so we'll see. Maybe. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Hopefully, you'll have to bring your big ass wrestling, uh, uh, in ring wrestling or in ring art sign, right? Are you gonna bring that? <laughs> no, I don't think I'm gonna bring that to. The you should get your show. picture of Sonata blown up uh, to like fucking. Yeah, he liked that. I guess apparently I went right away to my wife he, to get a translation of what was said there, and she's like, "It says it looks like me or something." So there you go. By the way, guys, listeners, wrestling and internet. My boy here got featured by sonata right on his story yeah yeah sonata does a good job of that. i think he's done it with mine before um where he like kind of goes through the art that people he do engages with he in- actually engages with his fans so well in a way because um i actually had someone else point out to me that he posted it on his story so he doesn't credit the artist but you know I, i'm not like blaming him probably doesn't know how to do it or whatever um but i don't well, know I that him, i didn't but... know the story was posted because I wasn't, you know, he didn't tag me. But whatever, it's fine. What an asshole. Yeah, Sonata, you know, they always say, I always hear Voices of Wrestling say, like, always assume the wrestler is listening to your podcast. So I'll say this, Sonata, listen, you motherfucker. You gotta post, my boy. You gotta post his name. You gotta give no, credit to the artist. No, there's a lot of awesome Even artwork. if it's you. He doesn't, he probably doesn't know. He just kind of screenshots it and post it yeah i mean come on he probably doesn't know no excuse to sonata just because he's japanese it's not like oh he doesn't know technology come on yeah, where's that uh, you know that he, new he, japan social media team and publicist to coach him through that right oh god i'm sure that's something that we probably don't actually want to exist but uh <laughs> yeah so um i looked up man like when Independent wrestling started on the web. But let me um, stop you real quick because I think there's something we're missing okay. too. Because it's oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. do remember in the in the in the nineties, 
the early to mid nineties, the AOL, when the, where the wrestlers were going in the back and they were chatting with people online and America online. Oh shit. That might've been Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels, or just any random superstar. Oh, the superstar hotline. You can go in and chat. Um, that might've been the first time that you had interaction with wrestlers and talents with fans through an internet connection I, I i would have to say right yeah um and i'm i'm looking at it here vince mcmahon's 98 aol web chat which has resurfaced so um they definitely did it it probably wasn't vince mcmahon right i mean yeah i mean vince i think McMahon that is was the... sitting on his computer that might be the first, the famous, like, well, that's what I'm going to draw is the famous, you know, Shawn Michaels looking puzzled at the computer with his finger up in the air. Um, that was during one of those, um, those, uh, you know, chats or whatever. Yeah. So I think that's where we can kind of pinpoint as the first interaction between fans and wrestlers or talents or people behind at, the at scenes least online, in America. on the internet. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, obviously we speak English here, so it's hard to go back and look if if Kenta Kabashi was doing chats on people with AOL.com, but I have a feeling that Kayfabe was a little too intense back in the 90s for All Japan, and I doubt they were talking to their fans over I don't think there the was internet. A, I don't think they had America Online in Japan. It was Japan Online. Oh, they, right? oh, they, they couldn't because it's called America Online. There's no way they could yes. do chat back then. Come no on one now. could do chat in Japan if you don't have America Online. So they said, question, um, they asked Vince online, they said, who would you like to see represent the WWF as their champion? And he said, Bob Backlund, but he's too old. Is Sid coming back? I hope not. What kind of working relation do you have with Paul Heyman? I hear from Paul once every three months when he wants something. So clearly a little kayfabe interview from Vince. He's playing a character. And that and that is 1998? 1998 yeah wow because you know that we found out all these years later that basically at that time when we thought and this was something that was protected that if the internet existed in the form Mm. it is now we would have totally known that i don't know if this is a maybe too strong of a term to describe it but that um wwf was basically at the time wwf was basically bankrolling ecw that whole time Oh, shit. And was, you know, lending money to, to Paul Heyman. And there was a lot of interaction. Because you remember, you know, in the, in the 97, 90, you know, Rob Van Dam would be on Raw, um, you know, as Mr. Monday Night and whatnot. And then Sabu, they, they, they were kind of doing occasional talent exchanges. And um, you even had, you know. Uh, Tell those dogs to shut the fuck up. Oh, is that you can <laughs> hear that, kidding, huh? bro. Don't. <laughs> Jerry the King Lawler no, you're, was you're out good, with Rob Rob Van Dam a few times. Yeah, those are yeah. some neighborhood dogs. Um, and then do, bro. not my dog. She's sleeping on the couch or something. Um, yeah, go ahead. Th- and then you know when ECW was kind of that renegade organization that we kind of came to know and love in the ninety eight, basically nineteen ninety eight to nineteen ninety nine ish. Um we kind of thought it was just like this independent thing that was against the establishment while it really had Mm. a lot of support from WWE. 
I mean, I that's didn't realize what I that had a lot of support from WWE. I did read the book, and I will say there was a lot of back and forth there, but they didn't get enough support because they fucking fell under their own weight. I mean, and I think Hammond they were and... they were being, you know, there was there was times when they were being kind of bankrolled a little bit here and there, um, and used. You know, because you you would remember that uh, a lot of people went there first before they went to WWE, like you know Mick Foley and Steve Austin, and they they all had like little interludes in ECW. Um, but I think it was probably I'm sure mostly... there might have been a talent exchange too and stuff like that, where it's like, oh, I know of a guy, I I know a guy, you know, this sort of stuff. So. Right, but I do, and I mean, obviously, obviously that he joined. You know, ECW failed, but I it, just think about the coincidence of like maybe even bef- like right before ECW totally closed its doors and folded, all of a sudden Paul Heyman's on SmackDown as an announcer or whatever it was, Boom. right? So he's ho- yeah, he's hosting fucking Taboo Tuesday all of a sudden, right out of nowhere. Um, so I I know there were, it just seems like back then I always thought that ECW was this. A, you know, renegade entity, but they had some type of, maybe whether it was on and off or just Paul Heyman calling and begging for stuff, um, they had some type of relationship um, that might have. Well, they, they, I, I could see that. They're both like East Coast too, Northeast. Yeah, in, I, in, in if a way. there was something a little um, more out in the open um, about it back then, well, well, that they knew that they conversed that, here and there, it would have really maybe taking the edge off of ECW a little bit. Well, there's but only anyways. one way to solve that. We were we will have to have Paul Heyman on as a guest of the podcast. So, Paul, I'm sure uh, he would be very there. open to talk about that era. But basically and, and, the bottom and line full is disclosure. If the internet, Twitter, social media was what it is today, that secret would have not been able to be kept, I don't think as much. Yeah. Well, obviously Vince was talking about it on AOL chat back in the day. Maybe he was telling the truth. There you go. There's so, something to it there, uh, isn't there? That's <laughs> I, I think so. So, so yeah. Um, and you know what? I, I just want to say, like, just this is, I'll add this because as we're talking, I realize that the internet's kind of hard to talk about it because it's so generic and, you know, in, in, is part of everyone's life. But, um, you know, Justin and I are only of a certain age, and we weren't in our, you know, 20s and 30s in the 90s, so shout-outs to Usenet, the Usenet communities, and all the online wrestling communities of the 90s, which I heard the term, like, the term puro, or puro puro resu, is, like, from... It, obviously, it's Japanese, but it comes from, like, Usenet groups and bulletin boards in the 90s. Hmm. Um, so, you know, that was... Those were the people... that They were the you and I of the 90s, Justin, you know, online. But instead of Twitter, they were using Usenet and bulletin boards to talk about wrestling in a more open way. But, you know, him... he Justin and I, we don't really have the full knowledge of the bulletin board or the Usenets back then. So, no. shout-outs to those... Shout outs to those people that use that stuff. Um, good times, man. Um, I think my on. first memory of actually using the internet for some type of interaction was going in into an AOL, AOL chat room in maybe 1994, yeah. telling everyone that Nick Van Exel was the best point guard in the NBA when he played for the Lakers. Nick, what? You're like a little kid, like hardcore basketball kid? Like I, w- kid, I was Van a 14, Exel, 15 year old. You know, I was probably, gosh. 
yeah, about 13 when I was living that one year in Boulder, Colorado. And just remember me and my friend that happened to be Lakers fans going in this chat room talking about how great Nick Van Exel was. So that was like my first memories of interacting with other human beings on the Internet. Yeah, I remember my mom talking to people on chat rooms, which is kind of funny. Some dude was like a big fan of Married with Children, and he was acting like the dog from Married with Children. Buck? Bud. Buck. Buck was the, was, yeah. the, was, the, uh, was the dog, and Bud was the, the David Faustino. Bud was, was the, the son. Buck, Bud was the, the son, talking yes. dog. Yes, great show. I feel like two things that will always live on this podcast are Married with Children and fucking... Seth Rollins from 2015. There you so. go. And, and that's uh, funny uh, that you mentioned, I will say this about Married with Children, and a lot of that stuff you think doesn't age as well. I think Married with Children kind of does last a little bit because Al was such a bumbling idiot. And never Oh, come on, that show was great. Uh, you can't cancel all that. I mean, the dude was an idiot. Like, he was literally he portrayed never, as like... Yeah. He never Although, was rewarded. Yeah, he never got for, ahead, and yeah, he was King never Kong rewarded was for show. his beliefs. He was always made to look like a fool. So, like all that stuff he said and did, you know, wasn't glorified. You know, he was reacting. He was reacting to his world. He's got a kid that treats him like shit and asks for money. He's got a wife that wants money and doesn't put out all the time. You no, know, no, no, no. It was the other way around. World. Al wouldn't want to. She put out too much. Yeah. You put uh, anyways, too much. Yeah, let's get back on the trail <laughs> here, but that's uh, a little bit of our generation, I guess, that show. It's okay. We can always talk about that show and relive it. Um, So, we talked about, like, the online radio shows that were possibly around, allegedly around, Um, and I had trouble finding when the, like, legit first iPay-Per-View was, but I found an article from 2011 that talked about Ring of Honor doing Final Battle in 2009. And I believe that it was like a lot of the indie scene that kind of came out um, in DG USA, Evolve, and eventually in 2012 New Japan, they would jump on the internet pay-per-view bandwagon. Um, so yeah, um, WWE Network finally came in. Justin, do you know when the WWE Network came out? I believe it was 2014, right? Um, uh, a few months before, or if not a month before, WrestleMania yeah. 30. I, I had to look it up. I like I wrote it down, and then and now I have to look it up. Yes, it was February 2014. Um, so, you know, Justin, I've heard that the WWE Network, while ahead of its time... Um, I've heard it like, like if you go back and look at how they could have done things, that they probably could have made a lot more money. Um, have you have you heard anything like that? Like the WWE Network being not a failure, but like a, a hindrance to their profits. Well, I would imagine that there was probably two elements that um, could have been hit by it. The fact that you are only paying $10 a month, which is an amazing deal, and having not only all the access to pretty much everything they've ever produced, with more stuff being added on a monthly basis, um, but also, I'm not sure, because you never really get a straight answer from anyone, but a lot of the way that the talent would get paid, and the wrestlers, would, the workers would get paid, the wrestlers would get paid, would be by internet buys, and, you know, bigger shows that got 
you know, like Royal Rumble paycheck would be big because it was a big pay-per-view or WrestleMania paycheck would always be bigger. So I'm wondering if it affected the payouts of the talents. And that was one thing that might have been an impact on the world. I mean, if you have 2 million viewers, uh, subscribers that pay $10 a month, um, does that, you know, overrun the fact that you have no one buying pay-per-views online anymore for $50 a pop? Or very little people buy, well, and it's very little people buying pay-per-views for that $50 pop. And so the thing is, is I honestly believe that the network and these iPay-per-views in general, they have devalued the idea of the pay-per-view, honestly, because in the 90s and the 2000s, a pay-per-view was considered like a pretty serious thing. It took a little bit of an investment. $50 $50 is still nowadays not cheap to watch a three-hour show. I agree. Um, so even nowadays, it's not. And, and the reason is because the, the pay-per-view has been devalued, dude. Like, And so back in the day, it was $50. Like, you're like, oh, we got, you, you're going to watch every minute of it. It's $50 fucking dollars, even more sometimes. Nowadays, pay-per-views really don't cost anything for WWE. Like, when you think five, ten bucks, you're getting Peacock free with your service for, like, three months. The idea of, like, going and watching Money in the Bank is not as exciting when before it's like, ah, oh, we gotta, me and my buddy have to chip in, you know, 25 bucks a piece, you know? We'll get some so, pizza, I mean, yeah. I mean, I we'll guess get a it, pizza, yeah, all that stuff. You know, it, it could go through, you know, the, the example of your parents made you, didn't just buy you something, they made you earn the money to buy it so then you would appreciate it more when you had it right i guess there's kind of that element to it as well um but i think i i think that 40 50 dollars honestly it was kind of a uh, i think that was not a terrible price for a pay-per-view back in the day when you're like again you get with your friends you're gonna watch it but now I feel like it's been cheapened man like you know money in the bank is coming up tomorrow and yeah, people are talking about it, but it's anymore unless it's WrestleMania, Wrestle Kingdom, or Dominion, or freaking SummerSlam. You know, it's just kind of like another another well, thing. Well, I think not part a of that is anymore. it's just what the product is now, and you know, like I've said before, like the talent is is as much as ever in terms of in ring and all that stuff, and the variety of people they have. But I just don't think people are as excited about the product, and I think. It's kind of if you went back in the you know 10, 15 years ago in the two, the mid 2000s where they weren't doing a lot of amazing things either, you know, 2010 ish or whatever that there was a similar thing. But like, how long have they been doing? I, could I see think that. for a while they've been doing monthly pay per views for a very long time, and they were even doing bi monthly. What ever since in your house, right? Yeah. So I mean, you could make the argument there's just too many pay per views now. Um, and that's true. And that's it, true think, because, dude, I'll tell you this. I don't want to pay. If this was like 2006 and I'm paying 50 bucks a month and I'm just like, bro, this pay-per-view sucked, dude. Yeah. Like, I'd get and I wouldn't even imagine quick. wanting to pay $50 a month for the access you get with the WWE Network or, geez, it's not even the WWE yeah. Network anymore. So it's a mute Well, it, 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 no, it, it, is, it is outside of America, bro. So you can totally oh, say true. WWE Network. You can get yourself one of those IP hiders and, and, and enjoy it that I got, way. And you know what? I got one yesterday and it didn't work. So oh. Tunnel Bear, shame on you. <laughs> I need my Australian WWE Network. Thank you. <laughs> or Canada or whatever. Um, 
but I mean that that's the thing is obviously the 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 business model did not work for them because I mean they I think they went through a a phase that they're still going through where they had to liquidate a bunch of stuff to appease talk uh tax um stockholders um apparently but um ooh so something wasn't working with what they were doing with the network um obviously because they liquidated it out to NBC to you know put on their content on there. Well, um, I, I don't know if it's something wasn't working or if they just wanted to sell for big money, right? If they just put their content on there and they got a big contract for that, right? Well, I guess, yeah, but I mean, traditionally the people that do stuff like that are something you start out of your garage and then you sell the business off and that's how you become a billionaire, you know? Um, I don't, it, it, it seems weird when, you know, pretty well-off corporations do that. It's, it's it, There just must have been something not working from a logistic standpoint or operations standpoint that they felt they needed to uh, punt the network away. I don't know. I, f- I feel like WWE is a someone who or a company that would claim we make content and whoever wants to buy that content, like we, you know, will help with that. I mean, we have this content and if if Peacock wants to buy this content, okay, cool. Well, the bottom line we'll is this. We'll make more money that way. I would, I would, I would, I would don't think it's a, you know, unfair thing to say, but the, you know, I can hold, uh, I'm holding a cell phone in my hand and I can watch anything wrestling that I want in the palm of my hand now. Right. And that is, be, or consume pretty much anything wrestling related that is available in the palm of my mm-hmm. hand now. And that is because of the internet. Yeah. Well, I would agree with that, man. I would also say that, uh, you know, one of the cool parts about the web is that it's let you and I and all us other fans get into so much other wrestling, dude. We don't have to tape trade anymore. We can watch New Japan. We can watch All Japan. We can watch all this stuff nowadays. And we don't have to meet some shady dude and go into the back of his van where he has a bunch of tapes and he's like, hey, you know, this is the adult section and stuff like that. So, Is there something that um, you want to tell us? I, I don't want to tell you guys my experience about the van, but uh, I will, I'll keep that to myself for now. You know, it, I have to get it more say, comfortable with the Did it have like listeners. painted on it free All Japan tapes inside? Yeah, and there was <laughs> nothing, but it was all the adult section for some reason. It was oh. really fucking weird, but yeah, I, I don't know. But I mean, it's, it's really been awesome because I think it's expanded the world of wrestling. I mean... Uh, you know, it's been a, it's made us able. You know, back in the '90s, you had the war. Was it called War of the Worlds in L.A.? You had the big Mexican luchador show that supposedly changed everything, and it was cool because it was a lot of Mexican influence and. It was like a worldwide style of wrestling, and I've heard that that was one of the most important wrestling pay-per-views ever, uh, just because it it introduced lucha to America in a new way, where the internet has been able to introduce all these styles of wrestling to us, and it's creating a new style of wrestler, someone who grew up watching all this different stuff, and you look at people like Chris Dickinson, who or even Eddie Kingston, who was a tape trader, these people who have grown up like you know, with all these different influences now, instead of just, oh, I watched it on TV when I was a kid, you know? Yeah, it's Um, pretty cool. cool. I wish I was a tape trader. I just, for some reason, never really, uh, you know, we got into that. Um, 
Dude, you, you'd have. To, I think that's a little bit older back in the day. You know, when we're like teenagers, we're not thinking about that. But you know, that that was a thing back in the day. I have some DVDs that are like very tape traderish. You know, like they're like DVD sets that are clearly not made by the actual company. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, um, I I just think it's been cool for us to be able to go and watch like. Uh, you can go watch a match, like you said, you can watch anything, but it means you can go and watch a match from Mexico and watch a lot of Lucha, and I can go watch a lot of Strong Style, and then you have a Chinese company starting up, and we can hear about it. If a Chinese company started up in the 80s, bro, we would have never heard about it. It would have probably started, folded, and ended before we'd have ever known about it. Yeah, it's almost like when you think about the, the stars in the sky, man, and we don't know if that star is blown, you know, that star is blown up billions of years ago. It's like a light years away for us, it might as well be. Um, we might have, you know, here it alluded to, like, if we were subscribing to the Observer or, you know, uh, the Torch or whatever. We but, would have uh, heard about it. It would have said, like, Zhong Wei beats, you know, this guy yes. in 20, and you're like, oh, you just if like, we were lucky, oh, cool. if we had a wrestling magazine like PWI or something like that, we might have gotten a thumbnail-sized picture of the champion or something like that. <laughs> oh, God, I kind of remember those. Or maybe we got some wrestling trading cards and like we picked out one of them and you're like, oh, who's that guy? Yeah, exactly. But, um, <laughs> but nowadays it's just like, it's, it's crazy, man. You see a wrestler, Google him. You don't need the card. He cage match. You're like, okay, this guy, how good is he? All right, he's got like an 8.4 on cage match. What was his best match? You know, oh, this one? Okay, how do I watch that? Oh, I click here. Okay, boom. Oh, and then you and go to his, you know, if he's famous enough, you go to his Wikipedia and you get his uh, year of birth, his shoot name, and all that stuff. That's, Very quickly. That's kind of scary, actually. But Well, I mean, I just know, remember how cool it was in 1998 when you found... A list of wrestlers real names you know and you're like oh there my god like a thing. steve austin is steve williams like you know that kind of thing uh-oh dwayne was, johnson was this, what dwayne was this file a like just a text or was it just text on a page i just think of you know your basic gray background with black type you know times new roman you know dude I, I i found a website like that i i want to see if it's still around um it's called wrestling nicknames but it doesn't <laughs> seem like it's here anymore but there was just a wrestling nicknames like website that was like so oh here it is cool it's like it's so this is an old school website i wish i could show it it's called lego legacy of wrestling.com shout out to that guy he hasn't updated the page in years and it's every wrestling nickname so we got d'lo brown uptown you know huh. nick bockwinkle lean the mean machine so it's shout out to old school wrestling internet it still exists in some way or another wow uh sean sean michaels the heartbreak kid the icon sure and what else the main event the showstopper the showstopper i i want to know this guy guy mitchell he's called the stomper do you know guy mitchell the stomper uh, not by the stomper, but the name Guy Mitchell sounds familiar for some reason, but I probably have no idea. I I think that's a but cool see, one, But see, these are the things that, you know, maybe a little bit younger than me, like let's say 10-year-old, 12-year-old you would be getting all excited about, and, um, you know, 14, 15-year-old me would be getting expi- excited about finding online in 1998, like, you know, Holy crap, Kane was Isaac Yankum? No way, you know? 
I think I still would have. What you tell me? You would not have found wrestling nicknames fascinating at fourteen. Oh, absolutely. I still think that's no. I would. No, I think I'm I would have. I think I would have liked the Isaac Yankum news too, though. No, what I'm saying is us finding that out at 10, 15 years old, whatever we were at the time, we would have been oh, thrilled to yeah. find this stuff. This would have been, this would have made our day. This would have been like finding, which is Which is funny because nowadays it's gold. just like, it's, it's like finding gold back then. Today it's like finding a penny on the ground. You're like, like oh, that was that. like, that was the dark internet back then was finding what you know Kane's real name was the dark the dark you, web was like, finding who if fucking I was, the undertaker lost to in I'm 1990 if i'm if i was like 14 years old and i was on you know probably my parents old mac g4 whatever they're called and i'm looking and i found a picture of kane like what he looked like without his mask off i would probably like look over my shoulder and make sure the fbi wasn't in the bushes or whatever yeah you know what i mean like, like that's how you felt about that stuff back then too Dude, I I agree. When you see Kane and the mask is off, that's why I have OnlyFans. It's so I could see people with you know the mask off. So that's uh, I I totally understand that. So I I mean, <laughs> look now that all this is going on, man, we're in the internet age. What do you think is the future? Now this is an open end question here, man. It's a tough one, but what is the future of the internet and wrestling? What what do we have in store? You you go line first, it all you, up for us and you you go first. I want to hear yours first. Okay, so um man, I think that things are gonna go pretty. I I don't see a ton of change. I think that it's gonna be a lot of streaming and wrestling. Um, I think that if anything, the change will be that the normal TV channels will have more of an online presence later on. Like TNT will be easily accessible online. Um, and I think that'll be the bigger change and somehow we'll start being able to measure online metrics as some kind of like money grabbing thing like ratings nowadays. Um, right now, YouTube views don't seem to mean a whole lot. I, I've heard, you know, WWE brags about their YouTube views, but they don't seem to matter. But I'm sure there's a way of capitalizing on the this online presence and getting money from it. And maybe WWE's done that with their network and they're making bank on it but um i think it's going to keep being done i think w uh aew need, will need to get a streaming service for sure um just to compete um i know that they had, are doing pay-per-views now and they're successful that way so maybe it'll be a while but i would love a aew online where i can go back and watch all the old school dynamites um and I can only hope that the Japanese companies improve. The Japanese companies have some of the worst online websites, I think, um, which sucks. Uh, I I wish that you know. You know, a lot of Japan the Japanese world. stuff is because they don't really cater to the Western audiences um, in terms of what they're looking yeah. for. Um, I've I've kind of talked to my wife about this before too, but I think what a lot of people in Japan do on their phones is they like to watch live TV on the trains and stuff like that. Um, so there's not yeah. a lot of people going in for the streaming backlog stuff. They just like watching live TV and stuff. So I think a lot of that is mm. them. What they really need to do if they were serious about getting, I don't know if they're already doing this. I hate to criticize like what I see going on, but if they really wanted to tap Western um, fans, 
they would need to just let's get american web web developer out here to make apps for everything or just somebody yeah to make, yeah, american, yeah yeah the, but somebody to make stuff well more accessible, it, it would be you know? it would have to yeah it would have to be a company that deals with a western audience because yes the the entire it's weird dude like the, here's the weird part like a couple different wrestling streaming websites use the same format so you can tell like they're just using some format that they just bought from some company and threw it on there. Or some and template or something, an app. Some template, template that's exactly. Over, yeah. That's yeah, exactly. That's a, the right way to put it. Like they're just templates. And well, let me ask you something: Is Stardom have an app on a, on a, like a Fire Stick or a so I I used I used Stardom like a year and a half ago, and from what I remember. There was nothing back then. It was just you watched it on your internet on an browser. internet tab. Yeah, yeah, browser, browser based. So nothing, like, to and, me, and that's one of the biggest problems with all the Japanese wrestling is most of it's browser based. And I think that's because that's how the Japanese people consume it uh, predominantly. Yeah. There's no demand for an app on, you know, uh, PlayStation, which is crazy because it's a Japanese the, company. Yeah, the There's Japanese no iOS like, app. How are they so comfortable with this lack of, you know, hang on. I thought I heard an alarm downstairs. <laughs> Anyways, it's it's weird how okay they are with bad usability and using it on the browser and stuff like that. I guess it's the norm, but uh, it's just it's not as good, man. It's just not as fast. It's not as good. New Japan streams at a lower quality than the WWE Network. I mean, yeah. it's just there, there's a lot of issues there. So I, as we talk about the future, I think Japan has to step up their game for sure. And, you know, I want to be like, and then we'll get virtual reality, more virtual reality wrestling events. But realistically, I don't see that being a thing. I just think, like, these are the things I would like to see in the future. But I think that the online viewership is just going to become eventually more important, hopefully, than the TV viewership. But we'll see how that plays out. So what do you think about the future yeah, of I mean, wrestling on the internet? I have a similar answer to you, especially when it comes to, you know, I think AEW when they maybe build up more of a back catalog, they might want to start looking into getting a um but the thing that's into a you know, a web-based app service, online service, but the problem is is they're so locked in with TNT where I don't think TNT is going to be very happy if all of a sudden they start offering all their content for 9.99 a month. Um, well, and, and it's it's true, but I mean, look, dude, the even if they do nine ninety nine a month for old Dynamites, I I I don't think that'd be that bad because where else can you watch Dynamite like old Dynamites? Well, you can like, probably I'm go on. Saying, the, are those available on the on demand TNT app or oh, you know, or, or BR BR Live? Right? Yeah, something like Maybe. that. But the thing is, is like you be. were you you hit a very good point when you said. YouTube stream views don't seem to really mean anything and that they're they're not the online presence and the clicks you know an industry that I used to work in was the journal uh, journalism industry with newspapers and you know they didn't really take the internet seriously and it took them a very long time to get behind paywalls and everyone's like I could just get all this wherever I want and that's why journalism has suffered because you know if you had in circa 2002 um you know, maybe seven or eight big newspapers, LA Times, New York Times, uh, Rocky Mountain News, or whatever, Denver Post, got together and said, we're going to start charging $1.99 a month for our online content um, starting now. 
then they probably would have been able to survive and whatever. But, um, you know, there's just not a way to make money off of someone clicking. I know you have, you know, people that have YouTube channels that are very successful and everything like that. But they also, you know, that's one person monetizing. I don't think an entire company can become solely like you know profitable off of a youtube channel um it doesn't seem to be yeah so. yeah it's it's very rare we'll put it that way you're yeah. ha- you'd have to be one of the top youtubers on the platform for a company so youtube itself probably not a great revenue for wrestling money for a company um but uh, uh, you know and maybe AEW has it right where they just sell their pay-per-views and they sell them online and that's a good because here's the thing if it's hot dude like people will buy it and it will make money and they can reverse the trend and be like no we're not going to do online $10 a month we're going to have you pay and they only do four pay-per-views a year too so i mean it makes it a little more reasonable about like actually not doing the well and i think uh, TNT gets a lot of pay-per-view style um dynamite events that you know true and they do a lot of theme shows. And, you know, just another thing, too, is when I first got the WWE Network, I, w- I one of the things I thought I was going to be able to do, which was just me being ill-informed, was I thought I was going to be able to watch Raw and SmackDown uh, live as well. And that wasn't oh, part yeah. of the deal. And that obviously was a TV thing. Um, I thought I would be able to watch NXT live or uh, NXT. And then, you know what? I could. But then they took that shit right the fuck off. Yeah, Yeah, they did. Once they once they put it on USA, that went away. And that's made me not watch it as much. But I was like pretty, you know, until I fell off with WWE. I'm still like I said, I still follow watch pay-per-views here and there. But, um, you know, I was watching the Hulu cuts the next day um, with Raw and SmackDown for a long time, and I found them pretty oh, enjoyable, because yeah. I'm, you know, they would cut it in half, and they would, you know, it just felt like a more enjoyable way to consume They pretty it. much only show you what mattered, dude, so... Yeah, um. or if you miss something, you can fi- you can catch up with it on, you know, I think the one thing that WWE does really, really well is like, oh, I missed that, I heard that was really good little clip, I can find it, you know? If R-Truth did a good little, you know... Good little um, 24-7 thing. Yeah, or like, R-Truth said something hilarious. I could always find it online, and it's usually from the WWE um, social media. I mean, they're on it. Their social media is is good. Um, and and that that's and one of the parts about the future of the internet, is that you have to have a good social media team. You have to be able to make your co- content into, like, memes and stuff, kind of like a uh, little bit of the bubbly... And being in tune with the smarks and the casual fan, that's probably a hard thing to do, but it's just what you have to do well, now and to also have that it's online presence. Where you have to invest the time into doing it and not expect like these immediate results to be seen, you know, monetarily with your product. You have to just like yeah. you know, put it on the slow cooker and eventually you might not be able to always maybe you know, the one thing that we kind of don't mention with all this is that merchandise sales, especially with WWE, are probably as high as they're ever going to be. And um, I, I don't know why we been. didn't talk about that. That's maybe yeah. a lack of research on my part. But obviously, merch uh, is uh, the web changed that whole game completely, too. So. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, one of the most one of my favorite things that has come out of you know me being back into wrestling since 2014 after that 10 year hiatus is something like pro wrestling tees existing 
It is um, it is a really cool thing, man, where you can just go on there and just click what you want, boom, they make it and send it to you. Exactly. And just the fact that, you know, you know, you go to a local wrestling show and maybe, you know, there's somebody that got a pro wrestling tea store, it's almost like you can support them and give them a little bit of money um and buy their merchandise. Um I, I don't know. I just think I know Colt Cabana and, and the, you know, the one hour tees guy like Ryan Barkian or something like that. They, you know, created this thing that is just so brilliant for this niche audience that like and this niche cult following of people that. Uh, well, they they surely know that the wrestling fans, we love our T-shirts as we do. And uh, the ability yep. to make them on demand is kind of nice. So, I mean, look, as we talk about wrestling and the internet, um, while our our opinions on the future might not be super fancy, we don't think, oh, there's going to be VR robots fucking wrestling in three years. The fact yeah. is, is we're being realistic. Things will probably continue how they are going, and we'll see a slight transition to kind of more of an online presence. So, you know, because that's a little bit more realistic. And, you know, I'm glad for the internet because it allows us to come to you guys' ear every couple weeks here and uh, do good things. Well, before I get out of here, Justin, is there anything else you wanted to tell your adoring fans? Um, well, I guess I can... You're going to Las Vegas? Yeah, so I am going to be, uh, this was something that I had to think about, um, when it was, the idea was first, uh, you know, dropped to me, but, uh, yeah, there's an event, it's called There's Something Going On, uh, in Las Vegas, um, and it's gonna be WrestleMania weekend, um, Saturday, August 21st, uh, 10 to 2 p.m., 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at, uh, the, uh, Palace, uh, WrestleMania or SummerSlam weekend? SummerSlam. Did I say WrestleMania? You said God WrestleMania. Okay. okay. SummerSlam weekend in Vegas uh, at the Palace Station Hotel. You want to find? You want something fascinating at the Palace Station Hotel? Palace Station Hotel. What about that? It? Is where OJ? I believe this is where OJ shook down those people trying to get his uh, his merch back. Uh oh. And what landed him in jail for that stint? So um, you got some crazy stories there, Palace. You look. The Station Hotels are nice, man. Actually, to be honest. And, um, so I'll be going up there Friday night for that Saturday morning, um, with a spot wrestling for sale. Uh, Ted is going to be there with a lot of his, um, amazing, uh, merch, um, vintage merch along with, uh, the cheap heat podcast guys, um, Paul Sweet. Rosenberg and stack guy, Greg. And, wow. um, yeah, they're going to be there too. So it's this the whole Paul thing, Rosenberg, uh, the Paul Rosenberg. And it, along with, um, you know, some other amazing artists like uh, Violent Miracle and um, Extra Cooler, who I've, you know, kind of chatted with online and stuff to get some ideas for how I'm, I'm going to display my stuff when I go. Um, but it's going to be super fun. If anyone's there, come say hi. <laughs> if you Sweet. Want to, if, if anyone's in Vegas, Palace Station, and it's going to be SummerSlam weekend. If you yeah, mention man, come say hi to my you, homie. I will say this every time. If you mention... That you listen to this podcast and whatever, I'll give you some kind oh, of discount. Shit. And this is this is deep because oh. we're an hour and seventeen minutes into this podcast, and you got a little nugget, and I will give you a great deal on a drawing. Or you so know, that's whatever. like if you listened all the way until the end, and you're going to Vegas, hook my boy up, hit my boy up, and he'll hook you up. 
Yes. So I will. I will give you I'm a good. About. I will give you a good deal for listening to the show. Awesome. We're gonna get that, guys, for sure. Uh, again, I'm John Ensman. You know, I have a rap that's gonna come soon for the show, so that's being worked on now. We're gonna change the intro music eventually, but right now, um, we're working on it. Um, the internet is a huge subject to talk about. We could have done a whole episode on, or a whole podcast on just that. You know, it's almost too generic to pin down one thing, but. I feel like we touched on some bases, Justin, so uh, good job, and look, man, um, you have a great week, all right? All right, you too. Take care, and everybody out there, uh, we'll see you next time.